All right. Well, good morning. It is a full house on a summer morning, so that's awesome. That's good to see. Well, um, this is also our family Sunday, so there's many, many kids with us this morning as well, maybe who aren't usually here and our students, so we're excited that you're here. Um, so I'm going to say um, a bad word for any sort of like... Um, school-age student. Uh, I also just saw your eyes perk up when I said that word. Um, what I mean by that is we're going we're gonna to take a test. Like, no, not a test. We, I don't want to talk about school. I don't want to think about school, but that's okay. We're going we're gonna to take a little test here. And um, so I really want to kind of go back to, in case you weren't here last week, what we learned about. Okay. So last week we talked a little bit about reaching out with, with words of hope. Today we're going to be talking about reaching out with hearts to serve. And this really is a two-part series, so today we're concluding it, um, about our vision statement. And so, um, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and grab the microphone, put the test up on the screen, and I'll give some instructions here. All right, go ahead and take a look at that. Now, I can do this one of two ways. Um, by the way, I'm, ha- I'm handing out gold, okay, so that might be a little bit of a, a reason to... to so I, I would love to have just one brave soul who was here last week uh, join me on stage. Now, if I, if I don't have that, I'll just come to you. Um, now, you, you have to answer and give your best answer and give it a shot. I'm sure the, I'm sure the, the church would help you out. Uh, anybody want to join me up on stage for this? Anybody? Okay, well, that's kind of how I thought it was. Brian, I won't call you up on stage this time, so I'm just going to come down to you. All right, I've got my microphone here. Our vision statement is to grow deep and go ahead and raise your hand if you'd like to share with the audience. It's our vision statement. Oh, Aaron, there you go. Good job. Well, we have the Davis family represented this morning. Aaron, what is it? Grow deep and to reach out. Oh, is this turned on? Test one, test two. Try it again. Reach out. To reach out. Very good. Go ahead and give Aaron a hand. You can grab two two pieces of gold. Um, By the way, this is in my office. And uh, if you want to meet with me, I always hand out these pieces of gold. Okay, uh, you ha- we have been given an extraordinary what by God. Anybody? Anybody want to do this? Anybody? Oh, there we go, Tangela. Invitation. Excellent. Let's give Tangela a hand. You can grab two pieces of gold there. This will keep you awake. Okay, I'll kind of make my way this way. Um, Jesus was the sent what in the parable of the great banquet. Anybody? Oh, perfect. Okay, let's come over here. Rachel. Servant. That's right. Let's give Rachel a hand. Let's wake up a little bit. Give her a bigger hand. We're a church that appreciates and celebrates people. Good job. Okay. And then Christians are compelled to reach out with what um, for the lost? Anybody? All right. Back here. You want to come over to the microphone? Waiting. Christ. Oh, that is that is. Oh, it's always a great answer. Um, but it's compassion, but you still get gold. Let's give it up for this girl. Okay, Christians are compelled to reach out with Christ. That's actually a better answer than what I put up there, because we're going to reach out with Christ's compassion. The title of last week's sermon is Reaching Out with Words of... Anybody? Oh, yeah. There we go over here. Hope. Hope. That's what I'm talking about, girl. Grab, no, two pieces. Two pieces. Don't be shy. All right, last one. Uh, do you have dads? Any dads with girls? Any dads with girls? Randy, good. Okay. Okay, so the average cost, wedding cost in America is a mere... $26,000. $26,000. There you go. So if you got... Yeah, let's hear it for Randy. 
You know what? You need another one because you need some more gold if you're going to be able to pay for weddings. All right, here's the thing. So if you didn't get anything last week, you realize weddings cost a lot of money, don't they? Well, here's the thing. We are talking about reaching out, not just a church that grows deep, but a church that also reaches out. And here's my conviction, or here's my observation. Our personalities either tend to reach out with words of hope versus having hearts to serve here and build up the body, or our personalities to to reach out by serving with, with hearts to serve here and building up the body, but not reach out. So it really should be mutually applicable to each of you. So if you're a person that loves to go out there, I'm like, hey, but we need to steal you here. We need to be a part of the church. We're going to build up. We're going to go. I want you to go out there, but let's stay here. Let's build up the body. But the truth is also for some of us, we're here, and it seems really scary out there. I got that. But God has also sent us out there with these words of hope. So thank you all for participating. It gives me great encouragement that you came. And if you were here second service last week, I learned something a little bit. I stapled my notes together. I made sure nothing was going wrong today. So if you weren't here, don't worry about it. If you were here, see, I learned too. Okay. All right. Well, this morning, we are going to look at this reaching out um, with hearts to serve. And because it's a family Sunday, I'm also called um, one of our live wires, our fifth and sixth grade students, to come on up and read our scripture for us this morning. So Aiden, why don't you make your way up to the front? All right. Let's hear for Aiden. Good job, Aiden. So last night at 10 o'clock, I had this great idea. Uh, So my daughter, that was kind of an easy sell for her. um, And that texted Carrie. She goes, well, I have somebody who might be interested. So Aiden, thanks for being here with us. So Aiden's going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 17. I'll hold the mic for you, okay? okay? You just want to talk into it. You got it. For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all of the members of the body, though they are many one, one body, so also is Christ. For one, for by one, for by one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, "Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body," it is not for this reason any less the part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not the eye, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If if the whole were a body, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say that to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable... On these we bestow more abundant honor, and our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, 
giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked so so that there are many that there may be no division in the body but that the members may have the same care for one another if one member suffers all members suffer if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it now are now you are Christ's body and individually members of it good job let's hear for Aiden Aiden good job Aiden you get some gold too you get some gold there you go there you go that'll keep you awake um perfect let me put this over here so guys we're going to be looking at seems like a pretty straightforward quite honestly a pretty straightforward passage um what paul's doing here is he's saying that the local church is really similar to the body you know and for his hearers saying that he knew they would understand that we all are human and we all have a human body and so he's trying to help his hearers understand that so today we're really talking about three parts here we're looking at the human body we're looking at the church's design and then we're going to be looking at your heart and mine and how God can can cultivate a heart to serve how he has uniquely designed us so let's take a look um, first uh, like I had mentioned here um, let's take a look at this passage we're going to look at one body but first before we talk about the body of Christ which is the local church um, I want to I want to ask a question what is or who is the church? What is the church? You ever think about that? Sometimes our mind begins to think about things, but we don't slow down our mind to really understand what it is. And so let me tell you what the church is not. The church is not a building. Okay, the church also is not the thing we do on Sunday morning. But I want to give you my definition of a church because I think it definitely is biblical. And so the church is a group of people. New Testament believers in Jesus Christ who have confessed Jesus as their Savior, believing that He was raised from the dead, and therefore their sins have been forgiven, and they have confidence that they are in a right relationship with God, knowing they will be with Him forever. Isn't that good? That is the church. The, group, the church is a group of people. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It is, a tr- it, is the, it is a group of people, New Testament believers, I'm going to say it again, in Jesus Christ who has confessed Jesus as their Savior. Therefore, their sins have been forgiven. They are now, and they believe that He was risen from the dead, and that they are in a right relationship with God, and they have confidence that they will be with Him forever. That is the church. And so Paul describes the church, and in our case, Fellowship Bible Church, as a human body. And so if you've placed your faith in Christ this morning, I really want to help you understand how God has optimally designed you to be a part of the local church. And if Fellowship Bible Church is your home, fantastic. Or wherever God would have you commit to connect and serve, this message is also for you. So let's start in verse 12. Again, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It reads this, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body... Though many are one body, okay, human body there, so it is with Christ. So again, what we see right there is that there is just one body. And I hate to belabor the point, but I really mean it. Like there's no way that I can kind of detach my arm, some sci-fi movie, and that becomes Ryan. And all of a sudden I have two Ryans over here multitasking. That would be quite frankly a little weird and odd. But if you think about it, but so it is with Christ and his body. All of you. Have you ever thought of yourself that way? 
you collectively, as I look out over here, a group of New Testament believers who believed in Jesus, we are one. And we are actually meant to function as one. Though many parts, but to function as one. And that's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians. We're looking at the book of Corinthians. It's to the believers in Corinth, the local church there in Corinth. He's given them this message, but this message is also for us. Now, I get there is a there is a universal church. One day we will worship with a universal church who believed in Christ. But in our case, in terms of how we live this out week in and week out, uh, God calls us to a local church and we're to be one. Christ is the head. We are his body, the body of Christ. Let's keep on. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. Well, we just talked about that, didn't we? There are many, uh, there are many body parts listed in the human body here, right? So let's name them. The foot. We see the hand in this passage, if you're uh, looking. The ear, the eye. He even talks about a sense of smell. So we're talking about the nose. So we're looking at these. And so this is where the, pa- this is where the passage gets interesting, at least for me, because I, I really like to go into the scriptures looking at it literal and then kind of understand, okay, God, what are you saying here? How do we interpret it and apply it to our life? Sometimes we jump to application, but let's literally take a look here. Verse 15, it says this. If the foot should say, do feet talk? Thank you, Samuel. That is great. Uh, verse 16, it says, and if the ear should say, do ears talk? Thank you. That's right. The mouth talks. Right. Man, bring this guy with me all the time. So here's the thing. Okay, we have these body parts that in some ways are functioning in this context outside of their ordinary function. Okay, so, but then it goes on to say, they are comparing themselves to others, thinking they're less valuable. So the foot thinks it is not a part of the body, doesn't belong to the body, because it's not one of those well-known, important hands. Okay? So all of a sudden, this picture of the church comes to mind. Eh, I don't know if I'm that important, because I'm not one of, I'm going to get to that way. No, you are, and we will definitely get to it today. Then the ear jumps in and says and considers itself less significant because it's not an all-important eye. Both body parts, considering themselves insignificant, enough to just say, I really don't belong. And so Paul is speaking against that. No, you do belong. You do belong. Because, and we'll get to it. Paul paints the picture. What would a body look like? Then he goes on to say, if there was nothing but a, a bunch of eyes. Let's look at the next slide. I think it's up there. Um, let's keep going. There's a, there's a passage up there. Okay, don't worry about that. There's a passage up there in verse 18, um, and it says this. Uh, actually, it's going to be verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So think about that. This is like one of those cartoon movies. If the whole body were a bunch of eyes, it would be like this crazy like cartoon guy with eyes. Okay? If all bodies was an ear... I mean, it could really hear really well, I guess. But that's Paul's point. You all are uniquely gifted. You, there's a diversity in the church. Each of you are significant. But if there was just one body part made of many, 
um, then, then you would miss out on so many other functions meant for the local church. Let's go on to the next one. So body functions. What is the function? I'm going to go back because sometimes we overlook this. What is the function of the eye? I know a lot of times in life, like we have a prayer list. I have my prayer list. God, I need this. But God, is, is so, his, he has blessed us so much. Uh, since Paul is pointing to the body, the human body, I want to point us to what God has gifted us with. So I, what is the function of the eye? To do what? To see. Thank you. Oh, the ability to see the beautiful things God has created. To just bring worship. Isn't that good? Sometimes we just overlook that. We're, when we head out... Uh, but the eyes also help, help us to navigate life. Some of us get to go on vacations and see things that we never thought imaginable that God can create. But all the beauty and the benefit of being able to see. I have a buddy in Kansas City, and he can't see. There's coming a day where he will see. Yeah, I know that. So, see, his body has to overcompensate. And as he feels his way around and kind of um, navigates with, with touch and hearing... He just has to overcompensate. But there is coming a day that my buddy will see. But a blessing for those who can. Okay? How about the, the ears? What can the ears do? Hear. That's it. Our ears can hear. And without hearing, we would feel, quite honestly, isolated. Our ears allow us to communicate. And without communication, we would feel so incredibly isolated. I also have the benefit of being a part of ministry um, and, and to support uh, a group in Japan. And they're trying to re, uh, basically make the Bible, create the Bible in a visual Bible for those who are in death. 250,000 deaf in Japan who don't have a Bible, but to create a way that is their heart language. They cannot hear. And I will tell you that if you're deaf in Japan and deaf in America, you have more in common by being deaf than you do by being Japanese or American. Because a deaf community, think about being in a meeting and the deaf are, uh, we're in here and we would have to sign everything that just naturally goes on with the, the, the benefit of hearing. And so it's just kind of awakened me to the people who are deaf, who, who don't, in this life, they can't hear. But there's coming a day where they will. How about our feet? What's the function of the feet? To walk. This passage also lists the feet. They're super important. Without feet... Or maybe our feet uh, are immobilized. Uh, we just can't walk. We can't get around. Um, this year I turned 40 and I don't walk as fast as I used to or run as fast as I used to. And I realize that with age, things just slow down. But I'm thankful for my feet. Um, I really am. I'm thankful for what God has given me. And next, the hands. The hands are meant to touch. The importance of feeling and utilizing our hands is extremely important. These... Uh, fine motor skills, the macro motor skills, all these motor skills that our hands can do to pick up things, to carry things. That's right. Kiddos, think about this. Playing sports, playing a musical instrument, playing a video game. God has gifted you with hands. So why are the feet feeling like they're not a part of it? They were comparing themselves to the hands and feeling dispensable. Like they could be thrown away and didn't matter. Well, let me tell you this. I know I really want to get to a place where all of you really realize that you matter because you really do. But let me give you a, a silly little example here. Let's say you go home and you want to go play a video game. Well, what do you need to play a video game? First off, you need your feet to walk to the room, right? You need your eyes to navigate, though you might overcompensate if you can't see. But you got to kind of your eyes help you see the controller. Your hands pick up the controller. You sit down. 
You can see the game. You can play the game. You can hear the game. God has blessed you. So when you go out today and you realize all the faculties God's given us to do things, let us be blessed with the human body. But we won't stop there because the human body needs to work together. Not just there's one body, many parts, but he, God has called the body to work together. So that's why I tell you a little bit of that kind of silly example of playing video games. What about a football team? What if everyone on the team wants to play quarterback? Are you going to win? No. What about a marching band? Everybody wants to play the same instrument. Everybody wants to go in the same line. No, we have to work together. Those are great pictures of what it could look like. But what if everyone owned their part? What if the lineman really owned his part? Okay, what if that cornerback owned his part? Um, what if the trombone player owns their part? Okay, then all of a sudden you see how uniquely gifted each one of you are. And we have to figure out where we are when we get on that field and how God has uniquely designed us. But when we all own our part, not comparing ourselves to other people, what we begin to realize is, is we start performing with optimal performance. We start really doing the thing God has called us to do. Now, sometimes our bodies break down, um, don't they? Other parts stop, and they really do. They start, and, and so many times, that's when we have to go to the hospital. So it really shows, and many times, we don't appreciate our health till it's gone. I've had this head cold, and I just don't appreciate what it's like to not have a head cold. But I'll tell you what, God is good. He is so good. And so Paul uses this picture of a well-functioning body, or at least inspires a picture of a well-functioning body, to give us a picture of the design of the church. The church, the local body of Christ, was always meant to function and work together. If you have a handout, the first word you're going to see is diverse, not uniform. God is not calling you all to start dressing like me, look like me, and do the same things I do. And God isn't calling me to, to do that for you. We're not here kind of creating someone or thing to look the exact same way. We're here to equip the saints for the work of ministry. God is glorified when there is diversity. Think about it for, the, for a minute. Wouldn't it be silly if we were a church of preachers? You all were preachers vying to get up here, and we just preached day in, day out. What if we were a church of nursery care workers. That'd be kind of silly, right? Just looking for babies. Give me some babies because I don't just want to rock. No, but some is uniquely given. So we're like, hey, I've been down that road. I'm, I'll give that to someone else. Okay. What about if we were a church of baristas, coffee baristas? That's what we did. I don't know about that Jesus thing, but we make great coffee. So everywhere you turned, you were just kind of sitting around drinking coffee. Now, the truth is I could sign up for that kind of church. I probably would be convicted at some point. But isn't that silly to think that if we were all given the hospitality to go brew coffee, then we would not optimally function in the church. Though God has designed some of you and given you those experiences that we would love to utilize here. So God calls our function of the church to be very diverse, not uniform. Secondly, he calls the composition of the church to be diverse. And that's what I'm saying. Let's go back to verse, um, it's verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of the Spirit. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, cross socioeconomic bounds, cross kind of nationality bounds, where you're born, places of origin, color of skin, does not matter in the kingdom of God. 
nor does it matter here at Fellowship Bible Church. What we look at is the heart. We are calling people to follow Christ and let him transform their heart, regardless of where you grew up, color of skin. We love you, truly. And so that is what God has called diversity in composition and also diversity in function. And so when we say, what is, the, what, is God's, what is God's design of a church? It's certainly to be both um, diverse, but also interdependent. We live in a world that loves to be independent. In fact, we probably learned this at a very young age in America. Let's go to verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, nor can I tell one of you, I have no need of you. The truth is, I need you. And the truth is, you need me. You don't need me any more, though, than I need you. If Fellowship Bible Church is your church family, church home, local body, we need one another. We really do. It's, real, it's, it's this idea of interdependence. The definition of interdependence is the dependence of two or more persons on one another. Like, we really need each other. And yet, sometimes in a local church, I think we sort of live here like we do out there. We live these independent lives. We really don't want to be known. We really don't want to commit. But I'll tell you, God has uniquely designed you to do that here in the church. If you want to mature optimally as a believer in Christ, as I do, we need each other. And next, God has called us to be unified, not divided. So let's look at verse 24. Second part of 24 says this, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. I think we would all agree in concept, God does not want division in his church. In fact, when Jesus was doing ministry here on earth, he was casting out demons. And these scribes come along one day and they say, you know what? He is casting out demons in the name of Beelzebub with this satanic, satanic force. He's He's casting out these demons by that spirit. And Jesus says this. So think about it. Jesus, there he's being accused of casting out spirits by the spirit. But the very, the very spirits he's casting out is the very spirit in which he would be casting it out. Casting out the evil spirits by the spirit of Satan. Jesus says this. A house divided cannot stand. Here at Fellowship, a house divided cannot stand. Jesus is the head. We are the body. God has designed his house, his body to be unified, not divided. So we do this by honoring, respecting, loving one another, and building each other up. Lastly, suffering together and celebrating together. Look at verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know, uh, late one night I was, um, I was doing some curriculum reviews and watching this uh, Beth Moore video. And I'll never forget what she said on this video. She said, I was, she was going down the highway and I get a phone call that a person, a member in, in, um, who she, she knew was dying. She was called to go to the hospital. And in her flesh, she was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she said, but I know I needed to go. And I hung up and I had a conversation with God. God, I don't want to go. I don't want to feel the pain that they're going through. And so God reminded her, Beth, I feel the pain they're going through. I want you to go and grieve with them during this time. 
and fellowship, this is really us. We, there are folks in here who are grieving, and there are folks in here who are celebrating. But if we focus on one, sometimes the grieving can be overlooked. And in fact, we went to a conference a couple weeks ago, I mentioned it last week, called Stephen Ministry. The motto of Stephen Ministry is to show Christ's love um, through his people. It's to show Christ's love through his people. You know, we have an opportunity to do that. So later on in the coming months, you'll hear more about Stephen ministry and an opportunity. If you're hurting, that we can sign somebody up who is trained to walk alongside you during difficult times in life. But we also want to be a church that celebrates. That's why sometimes I'm over the top, like give this person a hand, you know, because I want to be as a church that celebrates. If you've been praying for that job and all of a sudden God gives you that job, we're going to celebrate. You know, if, if you've been struggling with something, you overcome it, we're going to celebrate. We're going to a church that celebrates what God is doing in his people. We want to be a church that suffers together, but also a church that celebrates together. All these characteristics, diversity, interdependence, unity, suffering, and celebration. These are ways in which God has designed his church for the church to bring glory to God. Okay, so what does that look like for us in our hearts? How can we cultivate hearts to serve in this fashion? Let's take a look at this passage up here on the screen. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Yeah, when we look at that, Really, I want to first point out one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord. We have one Lord, Jesus Christ. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He is our ultimate model of servant leadership, of just what it looks like to have a heart and compassion for other people. He set the example. Jesus did, our Lord. One faith. I believe wholeheartedly in the exclusivity of Christ. John 14, 6 says um, that there is only one way to heaven, uh, and that is through Christ himself. No one comes in the Father. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes in the Father except by me. One Lord and one faith. So here's what happens when you accept it. Either you accepted that or accept that. You might say, Ryan, this sounds like a really cool picture. I would love to be a part of that kind of church. Well, guess what? If you'd like to be a part of the body of Christ, when you've placed your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, believing that God rose him from the dead because he overcame death, you go from death to life and you are baptized into the body of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about a water baptism. That is a symbol of what happened in your heart or what will happen in your heart. But to be identified, this word baptizo is to be identified. You now are a part of the body of Christ. You have been identified with the body of Christ when you placed your faith in Christ. And you know what also happened? God has given you a special gift. Did you know that? God gave you a special gift. Here are some gifts that we see in Scripture. Evangelism, leadership, mercy, giving, praying, teaching, serving, helps, wisdom, and hospitality. I sometimes I think about it like that, all these super, uh, these, uh, what are they, like, like Superman shows and uh, the guys with all these extraordinary gifts. Okay, but what if you really understood that God has uniquely given you an extraordinary gift? 
If I called out your name, it's like, hey, I'm giving you this gift that you might use it for the building up of my body and the furtherance of my kingdom. God has given us a gift in which we are to love others, to build others up, specifically in the context of the church. Ephesians, sorry about this, Mike. Ephesians 2.10 uh, 2.10 says this. I want you to think about this because we don't often see ourselves this way. For we are his workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance that we would walk in them. So you may say, sometimes my life just doesn't have much purpose. And I would say, you know what? Let's figure out how God has uniquely designed you. Let's make sure we're walking with him. How has he uniquely designed you? And let's figure out what those purposes are. Let's walk in those ministries that he actually has already prepared in advance, but that you would walk in them. That is a great life. And secondly, God has given you a special love for others. When you trusted Christ, also his spirit came and dwelt within you. Isn't that cool? He he says um, in Matthew 28, 20, uh, Lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How can Jesus say that if he's not right here? Because he's given us his spirit and he is always with us. But I'll tell you, that same spirit helps us to love the Lord our God. It really does. God, I need you to help me just, just to love you. Would you convict me of truth? Would you forgive me? Uh, would you love me with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength? And here's the hard one, to love your neighbors yourself. How about right now your neighbor? Your neighbor's the person closest to you, to the left, to the right, to the front, behind. How can, I love, how can I love my neighbor in my community? But God has given you a special love for others. And the truth is, is uh, as yourself. We find it very easy to love ourselves. I'm with you. I get it. But it's really hard sometimes to take a step back. We're, we're kind of having some issues in our house yesterday. Um, and I was just talking to one of my kiddos. Hey, in this moment, you know how we can solve this? I know it sounds it feels like really big. If we would just, just, just let's just kind of do a quick heart check. Could we, could we love them a little different? What, what, what would that look like? And all of a sudden, it was like, just kind of diffuses the situation. But that we, we have a special love for other people. You know, Bill Heibel, senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois, once said, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Think about that for a minute, just logically speaking. Each local church is the hope of the world. And this is how he, this phrase came to him on, a, on an airplane. Before he got on that flight, he was in the terminal in Puerto Rico. He was reading his paper, and all of a sudden he heard two people, two people kind of going at it. And he turned around, and there was two brothers just going at it. And the older bro- brother was just whooping up on the younger brother. So much so, he's like, where, where are the parents, right? And so he's looking around, and no one's doing anything. And so what happens is, is then he gets more violent, more violent, no parents. So he pops up, and he comes over, and he separates them. And all of a sudden, he's, he's trying to kind of gain some order here, some safety. And the flight attendant says, uh, are you Mr. Hybels? And he's like, yes. And he's like, well, w- we need to board the plane. He's like, well, I've got, I've got a situation on my hand here. And so he, someone came in and kind of took over and he left. He has no idea what, what took place here. But he was so um, just unsettled in his spirit. And he gets on this plane, as anyone probably would. And he's like, what's going to happen to that older son? What happened to him to make him respond to people, especially his younger brother, that way? What was modeled for him? God, how, 
how can we, I'm getting on a plane going somewhere, the trajectory of his life is not going in the right direction. God, how are we going to reach him? And he said, look, and it occurred to him, the local church is the hope of the world. That there might be not just a mission, but a local church in Puerto Rico that, that would find him, connect him, reach out to him, words of hope, and then bring him in and build him up. Say, hey, that's just not the way we love each other. And so he goes on to say this. How, God? How? And he said, how can we do it? He said, there is only one power on planet Earth that can turn a hate-filled heart to a loving heart, a greedy heart to a generous heart, a selfish heart to a servant heart. There's only one power in the universe that can do that. It is the power of the transforming love of Jesus Christ, which has been given to the church to steward. Don't miss that. It is the transforming love of Jesus Christ, which has been given to the church to steward. Fellowship Bible Church, we have been giving an amazing message of hope and love to offer an unbelieving world, but also to stay here and build each other up. So next steps, what does it look like to live this out? Cultivating a heart, you're ready to go, what's next? Let's go back to our our kind of body uh, metaphor here. Let's look with eyes. Let's look for opportunity with our eyes. Um, Very soon... In August, August 20th and 27th, we're going to have a ministry expo. The point of this expo, which basically every ministry is going to be represented, and it's your opportunity, if fellowship is your home, to connect, to grow deep in in some form or fashion, some ministry, but also to reach out through service. And so this expo is really all of our ministry leaders are going to get together. We'll do this for two Sundays as we kind of set sail for another year. We're excited about that, but we have an opportunity here is to look with our eyes. Secondly, consider with your mind. We're going to have a, a equipping class uh, called Places, helping you find your place in ministry. God has uniquely given you spiritual gifts, a heart, passions, um, all of those to employ in ministry. And so this class is called Places, and we're going to offer it in the fall. Third, and probably most challenging, is our time. Commit with our time. Time is one of the most valuable commodities. Um, but truly, everything we have, even our time, is God's. So God has given us these unique gifts to employ, but he also is asking for our time. We're not asking you to commit for 20 years, but I would, if, uh, I would always challenge you, give it a year. Give it four seasons. Jump in there. Give all you have in that ministry. God will be, people will be blessed and God will be glorified when you commit to serve with your time. And lastly, we encourage you to serve with your heart. I would not sign up if you're not ready. I would not sign up if it feels guilty. I would sign up because the overflow of your heart leads you with great compassion to want to do and show others what God has uniquely done in your life. And so those are the areas. Look with your eyes, consider with your mind, commit with your time, and serve with your heart. We're going to close with an illustration of the Olympics. Okay, so my family, whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, we truly love watching the Olympics. We always like to find the underdog and hope they win the medal. Um, but picture yourself in the next Olympics whenever it's taking place. Because I really think the Olympics is kind of this big team. It's not like one, one country versus another. That's what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the amount of time and discipline it would take for you to perform in that one specific sport, but still plays to the greater whole. Do you have that one in mind? Wouldn't that be cool? That would be very fulfilling. That would be incredibly exciting. But guess what you win? 
Gold medal, not Rolo, but gold medal. Yes, that's important. That would be amazing. The pride you would feel for your country. But what if your love for the mission of God drove you even further? To know exactly how he's gifted you, designed you to serve, to build up the church and reach out to a lost and dying world. That is our opportunity as we consider these two weeks of reaching out. In 1924, a Scottish athlete, many of you know his name and have heard the story, maybe even watched the movie, Eric Little. Eric was a runner. And in the 1924 Olympics, he was supposed to be running the 100-meter dash. And the day it was set, the race was set on a Sunday. And for him, Sundays were his day of worship. He was not going to budge. Okay, that was his conviction. So he didn't run. People looked at him. Why didn't you run? But the 400 meter, that was during a weekday. He was going to run in that one, but there was no way he was going to win that one. It was the 100 meter. So he foregoes the Sunday and he runs in the one, the 400 meter. If you've watched the movie or you can look um, on the Internet, you'll see that he won. He won the 400 meter. And this is what he says in the movie that uh, maybe he was quoted by saying, but I'll never forget it. He says this. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. How is God uniquely designed to experience his pleasure? I'll tell you, there's some things in ministry. When I see a heart of stone, trust in Christ and soften and be a heart of flesh, that is church for me. That is church for me. When I get an opportunity to walk alongside someone and see them grow in Christ, I feel and experience God's pleasure. I encourage you, as a body of Christ, as we look to reach out with hearts to serve, figure out how God has uniquely designed you. Figure out where God is calling you, because when you serve that way and you see God show up, this, this quote will make sense. And for Eric, he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. As you know, he was also a missionary. After that, he went back to China, and he ultimately ended up in Japan. But the point of the story is, he really captured for me my heart. When I do the thing God has called me to do and designed me to do, I experience his pleasure, and I want that for you. Fellowship Bible Church, we have a great opportunity to reach out with words of hope, And we have a tremendous opportunity to love one another uh, and to serve each other with hearts to serve. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. God, I pray just for our hearts. Lord, I just even think of the VBS workers who are all getting ready to set up and eat and train and get ready. That you would give us a bigger picture of what you want to do there. Thank you for so many who have already put so much time in it. And Lord, we just ask. That children would come to know you, to grow deep uh, in their faith in Christ. And God, I just thank you for those servants. And Lord, for all of us, um, Lord, we just thank you for your grace and your mercy and so many blessings. Even we look at like the functions of the human body, all the senses that you've blessed us with. Might we go and bring you glory this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.